Ashley Ranasingha with Pivot Masters Podcast. I am your host. I am so excited for you to join us this week. We are going to hear the story of one of my dearest friends, one of my absolute favorite people who I did meet at work. Um, so we did work together and you'll kind of hear a little bit about that journey um, of us together. But I'm going to be very honest. Latanya and I talk all the time. So um, this recording, you're going to hear me kind of pop in and give little, uh, I would say little synopsis of different things because her and I end up on different rabbit holes and I wanted to make sure that her story stayed focused on her career journey. So um, (laughs) you'll hear me pop in and out throughout today's podcast episode, but I really hope you enjoy LaTanya Baker's story. She starts off as an architect early in her career. Actually, even before that, she was pre-med. And then all kinds of things happen, uh, dentistry school and, and 3D modeling. I mean, just so many things. And now she's part of a nonprofit organization that she helped find or found. And I, yeah, we're, we're just wishing Latanya all of the best. Um, Latanya's going to do a follow-up episode with us, a real kind of quick, hey, here's what's up and here's how to find out more about our business, etc. cetera. Um, but for now, this is her story and I hope you enjoy it, you guys. Um, again, as always, you know, like, subscribe, all the good things. Please, please, please share with your friends and tell people because we really do want this to be some a resource that helps people. We know that a lot of people are going through a career pivot right now. So uh, without further ado, here is my interview with LaTanya Baker. Enjoy. Okay, that's actually like kind of a nice meditative practice to start this out with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I kept thinking, let, please don't let my phone ring. So now I've just um, turned <laughs> my ringer off. Perfect. And as you know, I have a cat who is on the side. He is sleeping. And the great thing is he can't hear you talking because I think that's when he starts to meow when he thinks there's like more than one person in the apartment. They get confused. So that's all right. Nico let's can be a participant in this completely. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, he has some things to say about my career pivoting. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he does. <laughs> She's at home all the time. She's driving me so. nuts. And then she travels. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know when she's traveling and <laughs> she so. never runs it by me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, today we are talking with Latanya and Latanya, do you feel comfortable with your full name being shared or? Sure. Yeah. Latanya so, Baker. Latanya mm-hmm. Baker. Uh, and yeah, Latanya and I have known each other for a number of years uh, from past work experience, and then that kind of right. carried on beyond. Um, yes. But we're going to start off by just having you share a little synopsis of your career history. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. So I have um, I have a formal training. I, I went to school for architecture to be an architect, and uh, so I have a graduate degree um, in. Um, I guess architectural design. And then I worked in the architecture field for about um, 
seven years before starting my own business where I did 3D modeling and animation um, projects, which is something I had been doing as an architect as well. Um, and uh, I did that for um, other architecture businesses, small business people who had, you know, maybe developing development projects, um, construction industry. And uh, while I was starting, while I was uh, while I had that business, I also began to teach 3D modeling and animation as well. And um, and so that uh, that went on for probably about five years. So for about 12 years, I kind of worked in that architecture slash uh, 3D modeling and animation and education uh, at the same time. And um, I then, you know, parlayed or kind of changed my uh, career goals. And, uh, at the time, and just to make a kind of a long story short, my mother had gone through 17 years of having breast cancer, um, on and off. And in the last probably five years of her life, I was really involved, uh, with talking to the doctors and kind of seeing how things were developing. And, um, and I felt like I wanted to be in a position to help in that area, you know, just kind of seeing the things that my mother went through. And um, and especially kind of working with communities where there are large disparities, you know, just kind of being that um, a resource. And so I was pre-med when I went to college, um, but I was always an art history slash architecture major. And uh, so I went back and um, finished uh, or completed my pre-medical studies and started kind of on that journey of going to medical or dental school because my mother had her uh, cancer had uh, had metastasized and spread to her jaw. And so we were working with maxillofacial surgeons a lot. And that was really interesting to me. And so um, then while teaching and, uh, you know, still doing a little bit of the business, but I kind of slowed down the business a bit so that I could do um, my medical pre-med studies again. Um, I, you know, along the way, did the whole process and gotten got into dental school. And at the time of, you know, making that decision and about to go to medical school, um, I did have some health challenges myself that needed to be addressed and uh, resolved before going and off to grad school again. And so I deferred my admission for a year, but I was still teaching um, at the college level. Um, and so once that next summer, literally um, right after I had deferred my admission, um, I uh, got, uh, didn't get as many summer classes at the colleges. And so I started working for a tech education company that did summer, um, camps and that, you know, again, essentially that just at that time, you know, I, I did that for the summer and, um, was really preparing for dental school, but really starting to think about, um, that was really something that was really interesting to me. Um, and, really and it really went in hand with what i was doing during the year in terms of teaching 3d modeling and animation i was it was teaching like web design really just kind of digital design classes and um the working with the summer camp really went um, hand in hand with that and i just was more interested and i was ready for a career kind of development in that way and i thought more about education administration and things of that nature and then this 
um, opportunity presented itself for me to work full time in the operations department as a manager. And uh, and I took it. And so that's where we met. And um, so I did operations management for a while. And then, of course, with uh, the climate that we're in with COVID and things like that, um, I was downsized a few months ago. And um, but to let you know, and you probably know a little bit about this is before that. So for the past two years, I've been thinking about um, how to best bring tech education experiences to underserved communities and um, worked a little bit within that in this company that I worked for prior. And um, in the last year, actually, um, probably for at least a year, been working with a partner on developing a nonprofit. And so, you know, the opportunity presented itself um, being downsized that now I could spend full time on this. And um, we got our nonprofit classification. And now we're kind of in this phase of developing programs. And so that's what I'm doing right now is um, so our, our business, you know, our non our new nonprofit, we're in the development stages. And, you know, you know, kind of the we're still kind of developing the programs and um, we're getting some things approved at the moment. But I can essentially say that we're advocating for finding innovative ways to bring STEM education and financial literacy training to learners, young learners from underserved communities. It's and awesome. kind of where I am. I just love your story, Latanya. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think part of why you and I have, like, initially we're attracted to one another right is is we do mm -hmm. kind of have that similar personality i think where we're we're looking yeah. to explore things and and try new things and kind of go down the rabbit hole with with things that interest sure. us right 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 yeah um all right so i, I kind of want to rewind because i, I love yeah, your synopsis but there's certain yeah. details i want to make sure we like really <laughs> kind of share with everyone. Um, Absolutely. I got to be honest, though, before we get going, it has been mm -hmm. so hard for me not to call you these like last couple weeks because I don't want. <laughs> I know we have. Right? <laughs> I was like, I got to keep it fresh, like keep it all for the podcast recording. So that way, yeah. you yeah. know, <laughs> nothing gets, uh, you know, forgotten to be shared. Uh, so. Right. All right. Going way back when to. Mm -hmm when you were your first time in your undergraduate program. So you kind of mentioned mm -hmm. that you had done like pre-med studies and then ultimately yeah. ended up in architecture. Do you want to yeah. share a little bit more about what was happening then and how Yeah, that absolutely. Um, so, you know, kind of going a little bit further back when I got into college. So my, I had, you know, I have young parents, I had young parents and they were so into, you know, oh, I was the first to, uh, kind of go tra the traditional way in a sense, because my parents, they started college and then they, you know, started working and were going part time and things like that. So I was kind of kind of the first faced with full a full four years like that is your objective to go. And so I'd gotten into college and my dad was just so excited. You know, we, I remember us talking about well, what do you want to do? And we always knew that I had wanted to be a doctor. I'd wanted to be a pediatrician for the longest. And so I said I was going to be pre-med. And so we were looking at the you know course catalog and he's like, well, what's your major going to be? And I'm like, well, biology. 
And I remember him saying, are you interested in biology? You know, and, and his point was that, you know, I was going to, I don't know if I can mention it, if we're able to mention where I went to school, but. Oh yeah. Go to town, baby. Okay. So I was at Wellesley College. (laughs) So I was going to Wellesley College and he was like, you're going to this awesome liberal arts school. And you know, this is going to be the moment in, in college where you can really take the time to study things that interest you. And let's just look at the pre-med, the requirements to get into med school, you know, so do your pre-med requirements, but study what you're interested in, you know? And, and so, you know, it made me think, and I was like, well, I'm interested in art history. You know, I loved it. You know, I had was, had been, um, I had just recently taken a trip to Spain for high school and I was looking in, you know, I was in museums, literally looking at paintings that I had studied, you know, the years before. And we were looking at architecture that I had, had seen in arch- in uh, history class. And it was just amazing to kind of be in the middle of it. And so I said, well, I want to study art history and architecture. And, um, you know, so along the way in college, I realized that I was more passionate about the architecture end of things versus med school and I was more excited about those classes and I was more excited about just seeing myself in that space of um, being an architect. And, you know, I think that was the first time I really had that kind of internal struggle of, you know, I had this goal set for myself for years, you know, like junior high school, I was like, I want to be a pediatrician. You know, I did all these things in prep, you know, um, summer camps and, you know, doing courses early in high school and things like that. And so I remember kind of having that struggle of I'm, I'm kind of dropping this, you know, and, um, and telling my parents and things like that. And which, you know, was really all internal to me. Um, and they were cool the whole, they were totally cool with it. And by the way, you know, they, it was so interesting because I remember, um, it was in my junior year, like second semester, coming home for Christmas. And I told them, you know, I want to change my major. And I think I want to go to architecture school. And they weren't surprised. You know, they started to remind me of all the things that I used to do as a kid. You know, I used to draw houses all the time. You know, when we traveled to see family, I always wanted my mom to like wake me up at a certain point during certain suburbs. We lived in Indiana and going to Chicago because I wanted to look at the houses and, you know, stuff like that. And so they were like, you've always been interested in that sort of thing and your major, you know, so um, and it wasn't a hard switch because some of the the requirements for my pre-med studies um, furthered my um, architecture um, major as well. And so um, it prepared me to go to architecture school. And kind of awesome. that was the switch right there. And uh, I was able to secure a summer internship in a, a firm that built aquariums, which was awesome. You cool. know, like just learning that whole um, aspect that, you know, as an entry or as a new kind of architecture student, just really seeing what they do to design these spaces. Yeah. Like um, as soon as how, you said that, like I'm thinking yeah. like filters and, and different everything. Like, there's ugh. the mechanical side, there's yeah. the animal habitation side, you know, you can't just build tanks. You have to think about, <laughs> right. you know, what, you know, whether you put male and female animals together when you do that, how many you put in, you know, together. And they weren't building just like uh, an aquarium. It was an aquarium, but also um, 
like these um, uh, tropical environments because it was a, a the one I worked on was an aquarium in Japan, Osaka, Japan. And they were, you know, were having birds from different places. And so it wasn't just like marine animals, so to speak. And so um, just that whole experience. And, you know, so you, I, at one point I was talking to architects who were learning about creating these spaces and doing real innovative things, even with vegetation. Um, and then another time I'm working with an architect who had to study the the um, film on the roof was all glass and thinking about ultraviolet and the, the sun and the rays and the temperature control. And so all of that technical side that you learn was just so interesting to me. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I like I'm instantly I'm like next time you're in Denver I need to take you to this really crazy aquarium here in Denver. Yeah, I'd love Anyone's, to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's the weirdest. I I've never seen an aquarium like this. The restaurant, yeah. as usual, like it has one of those restaurants in there, right? Mm -hmm. But it's surrounded by tanks, and they only serve fish. And I'm like, what narcissistic person is like? <laughs> right. I want every fish to see. <laughs> What's, what's in store for their future. Right. Oh my goodness. Yikes. <laughs> and then there's like a cat area, like, you yeah. know, like large cats. Interesting. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I had... guess it's kind of like zoology and <laughs> right. zoos at the same time. Yeah. 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 It's a that. very funky little aquarium, but mm -hmm. that's cool. Did you ever go to the aquarium that you designed? So I never went to Japan, but I worked okay. on two projects. So I worked on one in, um, Japan and I worked on one in Chattanooga. And so uh, I have an aunt that lives in Chattanooga. And so, and we always drive through Tennessee going, you know, there's my family goes to Florida a couple of times a year. And so um, w one day, you know, and as a matter of fact, I was visiting my aunt and I was flying and I could see it um, because it, it just had these really interesting roof structures that this firm did. And, and so then that was when I was like, I'm going to go buy this, you know, ride by this building, you know? And, um, so yeah, I was able to do that. I never actually went in that aquarium at the time cause it was a, a quick trip, but it is interesting work walking by, you know, sometimes, you know, of course you purposely do it, but just incidentally seeing buildings that you've worked on, it's kind of, yeah. you know, kind of fun. That's awesome. All right. So for those whose interest was piqued like mine and just needed to know the names of these aquariums that Latanya worked on, um, I'm going to probably butcher the name of this. Um, I don't speak Japanese, but the Osaka Aquarium in Kayukan, Kayukan, uh, or I'm sorry, it's not in Kayukan. It's Osaka Aquarium Kayukan is the name of the place. It's in Osaka, Japan. And then um, the one in Tennessee is in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It is literally called the Tennessee Aquarium. So check those out. Report back to us. Tell us how they are. Um, yeah, I kind of really want to figure out a way so I can visit Latanya's Aquariums. All right. So you had this internship that mm -hmm. then led you into your graduate program. Yeah. Yes. You want to share a little bit yeah. about that experience? Yeah. yeah. So I uh, went to Harvard uh, Graduate School of Design for Architecture. 
Um, the, the architecture firm that I had that first internship had a couple of um, GSD graduates. So that helped as well in kind of, you know, making that decision and investigating it. And, you know, I will say um, a part of, you know, I know we're talking about kind of pivoting and the experience of pivoting. And, um, you know, the first time I applied, I didn't get in. And I think it's important to talk about, you know, what they call like failing forward, so to speak, and really kind of thinking about, um, I knew I wanted to go to architecture school. And so I tried, I didn't kind of crack that puzzle, so to speak. It is, cause it is, it's that kind of that journey or puzzle that you have to do to get into these schools. And so I had to kind of rethink that. And so I finished grad school, took that, you know, year in between and applied again. And, you know, literally looking at the same application, but rethinking what it meant. And so I knew that I had a strong fine arts background um, as an art history architecture major at Wellesley. And so the portfolio that I presented was, you know, and I had taken some studio classes at MIT and Wellesley was able to do that. And so I had some architecture classes that I could show in my portfolio, but it was really about being a fine arts major in a way. And so that was the first time I had to really think about um, my experiences and how that prepared me or how I felt that prepared me for architecture school and how to, how to, um, bring that across, you know, in my application. And so the second time, then I got in, you know, um, definitely I can say it was a lot more thought put into the application. You know, I was taking pictures. There's also the technical side of being the photographer, taking pictures of my work and, Um, I lived in Rochester with my parents at the time. So um, developing film, finding like this Kodak, you know, it was just fun in a way. Um, And just, you know, finding uh, a studio where I could do that and just prepping. And, And so I got into architecture school. All right, guys truth here is things get a little bit choppy. Uh, Latani and I get a little bit sidetracked. Her and I talk all the time and we just know each other so well. It's one of those conversations where we bounced around a lot. So for the ease of you, I'm just going to give you a recap and let you know that at this point, Latani works for a number of different firms. She does a variety of projects working in medical type facilities. So hospitals, um, you know, things of that nature. Um, so, you know, her early career, like many of us, is, you know, just going to a number of different places, getting exposed to, ex- you know, different types of opportunity, that sort of thing. I wanted to kind of bridge the gap. Um, things are a little bit choppy for a second here. So expect me to pop in and, you know, make it a little bit easier for you to follow. Uh, <laughs> but let's get back to the story. And uh, my, I had a mentor from the first job that um, I worked on and he had moved to a different firm and, you know, I always kept in touch with him mm-hmm. and that was kind of, you know, he just, we just always had um, a real interest in building environments for the community and so um, for different communities. And, and so I talked to him more and, you know, he was like, well, we're hiring, you know, we got this big, it's back at healthcare, you know, we've got this big hospital and, you know, this firm was opening offices. It was a big firm and it was opening offices in Chicago. And so I moved sooner than I thought to another firm. 
Um, so did that for a couple years, for a few and years. I'm assuming that mm -hmm. during this time is when you're like 3D modeling for yeah. the, the roles that you have, right? And that's what yes. kind of leads us into your Yeah, and actually I forgot to say that in the first job I had out of architecture school working for um, the Cook County Hospital, um, I was, I had this opportunity. The person who was doing 3D modeling and animation was leaving the firm and he was actually starting a business. And so they asked if I wanted to take over the 3D modeling that they that they did. And we and, should probably say like, mm -hmm. you know, this was maybe before 3D modeling was, you know. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a newer, like, yeah. gaining traction. Sure. And what was happening then was that um, there was software to make 3D models for buildings and architecture, of course, and people were using it. One thing that people used to do, and they probably still do, is that you always had an artist who still did the, the main rendering that went on brochures or in your you know right. marketing materials and things like that. And so um, I was using 3D to help design versus a finished product. Um, that was kind of my first... Um, that was my introduction to 3D modeling. Um, is and we all did the traditional, you know, physical hand models and things like that. But I was, you know, the one that did the 3D models, and it was interesting, really. You know, um, the training I got was really quick. It was a different <laughs> software, and they, they, you know, I was very. I've been fortunate in some of the experiences that I've had because they were like, take it home. Can your computer work on this? Yep, take it home and learn it. And so I kind of had two jobs at the time. I worked on the design team of the hospital during the day doing what I was normally doing. And then I might be able to spend some time during the day on the 3D, but I would go home and then do the 3D. Right. Um, I started to see that, you know, doing 3D models and animation was, could be a career and a business. And, um, I'm like, I, I know you're looking yeah. at me. Yeah, I had like, so I'm yeah. so curious where, because I know you have a business at a point, at a mm -hmm. point in, in all of this. Is yeah. that, so you, what, leave the second healthcare firm? Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. How does this Full happen? Time. So, <sighs> um, as I am, so I'm gearing toward this. So every time I'm making, I'm it's not like all of a sudden I said, oh, I want to do a business. I mean, I'm working still, but I'm I'm getting a computer now, I'm buying computers so that I can do 3D on my own. And you know, I had friends who were architects who were starting businesses, and they knew I knew how to do 3D. Can you do some 3D on the side? So then I was doing side work. And um, I knew a lot about just digital design in general. Um, I was, someone was like, oh, can you do a, um, a PowerPoint presentation for me or help me design a PowerPoint presentation? So I had these projects going on right. while I was working like a side um, hustle. in healthcare. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so then I started to see like, I could actually take on this full time, you know, and really then be able to offer my services to other architecture firms. Because, you know, while you're working for one firm, you can't really. Right, you got non-compete. You have to be very, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I, and also it, I felt like then I could get some more interesting and some bigger jobs by doing right. that. Right, right. And, and, you know, we, 
I worked at home by myself for a while. And then they were like, do you want to share space? I was doing work for them. Um, right. They were some of my clients. And then I we started to share office space. And I started to meet more people and really um, branch off into really the digital design um, area, which was everything. So, you know, really the main, you know, what the meat and potatoes was the 3D modeling and design for um, developers or architects and things like that. But then there was a part where I had to, I had to create a website for myself. So I learned how to make a website, you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I could do some websites. So then that became, you know, something that we did. And, and along that line, there was more like branding packages on a, on a right. smaller Logos end. So, and things. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't, that kind of happened out of working with, uh, partnering with the architecture firm that I've shared space with. So they had clients who just needed everything, right? They would be, um, for example, uh, would be a restaurant group, but they didn't have a logo and they needed a logo and some digital design. And, you know, right. then they Menus. would say, well, can you do this? And I was like, yes, you know, I was <laughs> just about, let me bring in money um, yeah. so that I can do this other, you know, this 3D modeling and animation. And so um, that was my business for, a few years for about five years or so. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I mean, it just speaks to kind of the reoccurring theme that I know you as, as, as mm -hmm. the person who's like, oh, I want to make this. I'm going to learn how to make this, right? It's, right, I, right. I just love your ambition and your ability to kind of jump in both feet. Like, okay, yeah. we're doing the thing. <laughs> well, I will tell you, um, so before I had my first big job as an architect in the, um, doing the hospital. Mm -hmm. I did work for a smaller architect for like two months. And, um, I, I will say that, um, this job really required knowing the, the technology, the tools, the technology tools. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of just drafting and doing 3D. So this was before learning all of that. And um, and it just got to a point where I couldn't do it, you know? And he needed something different than what I, I, I didn't know those tools and couldn't learn it. And so um, when that job ended, I felt like a lot of it had to do with, um, some of it had to do with my lack of knowledge on the technology end. And I swore then I would never, um, I would never be at a point in a job where I could not perform my responsibilities because of lack of knowledge on the technology end. Wow. You know, because I wanted yeah. to be an architect, right? And right. so um, I was, I felt like I was hindered from being an architect because I didn't have the drafting skills. I didn't at that right. point in terms of the, I had the, the hand drafting skills, but sure. at that point I didn't have the computer drafting skills. And so I felt like I would never be hindered by that. And immediately after that, you know, I talked to friends and everyone's like, oh, get this software. And, you know, I had an, an uncle who was an architect and um, and I would go to, you know, I had a friend who was like, you can come here after hours and learn CAD. And that's what I did. I taught myself and I redid my whole portfolio, which was drawn ink and mylar, which was a traditional way. 
Right. And, you know, so after hours spending time doing my whole portfolio in CAD, once I did that, I mean, these jobs started to open up for me. So you, you've been yeah. doing some 3D modeling for your business and, mm-hmm. and we know that coming up there, you're, you're, you're going to branch into some teaching. Uh, do you want to talk right. a little bit about kind of how that evolved? Yeah. And- Oh, absolutely. So I'd been in business for a couple of years. And at this point, I was uh, sharing office with um, three other or two other businesses. So three people, so two partners and another person. And um, so we we all kind of supported each other, but we're all the same age range and experience range, but just in different areas. And um, the architecture, the the group of the two women who had an architecture firm, what I started to notice was that um, they were getting mentors and um, which is great, you know, to help further their business. And they were bringing me along and parts of that as well. Um, But I was just finding that I really had this need to be in an environment where I was still learning. And um, because I was that one, that was that one business there. So um, I was still feeling like I need to reach back to, you know, some of my mentors that I'd had before. So I reached back to the mentor who had helped me change the architecture firms from one healthcare business to another. And um, we started talking and he said, you know, have you ever thought about teaching, you know, um, and getting in that environment because you're using some of the software there. And and he kind of said, well, why don't you volunteer at first, you know, get some kind of network. So I started to do that. Um, And this is something you don't know. So the first thing I was like, well, I need to network more. And um, so I lived in Hyde Park in Chicago. And Mm -hmm. there is a group called the Blue Gargoyle, which was, um, it did tutoring, like adult education and helping people get GEDs. Some of it was, you know, helping people with math and reading um, adults. And I went to an educational, I went to like a um, introduction meeting to be a volunteer and uh, signed up and was ready to volunteer to teach Um, math and someone said, well, we need a instructor, you know, um, it's a paid position, didn't pay a lot, you know, at all, but it was just a, you know, a little pay here. And, um, you come twice a week and you're teaching math skills for adults so that they could study for their GED. Okay. So I was like, definitely, you know, this was great, you know, and it was great because I started to network and get on the education side of things. Um, talk to the people who were running, um, the center and, um, and I did that, you know, for a while. And then, you know, after then talking to my mentor about, yeah, getting more into the education and things like that. And I, um, saw this opportunity at a college that, um, needed a 3D modeling and animation instructor. And so it was like, this is perfect. And so, yeah, that was kind of how I started doing that. It was great for me. It was a, it definitely was um, great for my business because I had to now learn about the most recent, most up and coming thing in 3D modeling and animation to to make sure I was giving my students preparing them to work in the real world. Right. And that was also helping my business at the same time because I had to do that for my business too. And so it just opened up a lot for, and just developed my skills there for sure. But, um, again, you know, 
kind of this pivoting, right? So it also just opened up the world of educating and bringing that next generation through and helping them find careers. Um, And even like some students who just decided that 3D wasn't their thing, right? And just really um, being a part of that experience for these students was really... um, it was really good for me. I really enjoyed being in that environment. So um, I was doing this and that was working really well. Um, in the first two years, my mother's health started to um, get worse. And that's when we started to realize that her cancer had metastasized. And they lived in New York. So I'm in Chicago. Okay. And, um, and so I'm becoming more involved in my mom's kind of healthcare journey. We were very close. And um, so I am, you know, personally straddling these things, right? So I'm teaching, doing my business, you know, talking to my mom, going home here and there, you know, seeing how things are going, um, really understanding the phases that she was going through. Like it had, at one point had spread to her colon. So then she had colon cancer, Ugh. had the operation. Then we started to realize it was on her lung and, you know, just all these things that she was going through. And, and it was always like, um, kind of like this goalpost I felt like. And mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm talking as a family member, not obviously as a patient, but it was like, we, we get rid of it here. And then all of a sudden it'd be in a new place. And then there would sometimes be a, a whole different regiment for that. And then we'd get rid of it there and then it'd be somewhere else. And so it got to a point where it was a in a particular place that it wasn't, we weren't being able to get rid of it. And it was on her lungs and kind of at her throat, it was growing and it was kind of on her jaw, so to speak. Okay. And so, um, and even that, like figuring out what that was, was a whole, you know, thing. Right. It's and, a journey. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so with my mom, it was, you know, there was the journey of kind of being that supportive family member, but, you know, just going back home and seeing the differences and sharing that with her. And, um, and I really felt like there was a space for, um, having some women in this profession that, um, that looked like me, you know, African-American oncologist or African-American, you know, dentist yeah. or whatever, or maxillofacial surgeons. And um, because there were, you know, there were times where she got better health care than others, you know, and some of that had to do with some of the disparities in health care. Yeah. And really understanding that. And I mean, you know, so the, it kind of is what it is in that Do you feel situation. like you were aware of the disparities prior to your mom's illness or was it the illness that really educated you about it? I think it was the illness that really educated me about it. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, my own journey with doctors and things like that, of course I would, well, I won't say of course, there was a part of me that really preferred to have African-American women as doctors. Um, And, and I would try to look for them. So again, sometimes it was easier than others. You could see pictures on their, you know, on website and things like that. But then sometimes you got recommendations from a, for just a really good doctor. 
right. you took the really good doctor, right? You're not going <laughs> right. to necessarily. And, um, but so my own experience, um, wasn't, it wasn't as pronounced. I feel like I really saw it with my mom and, um, and it wasn't, and I, I want to put it out there. It wasn't about, you know, she got better care from black doctors, not necessarily. Um, I do feel like, you, you know, she got good, got great care from women doctors or doctors who were definitely more in tuned, you know, breast cancer was changing a lot. Like women who had gotten it young, she got it at 38. She was young. Wow. Yeah. Um, we, and, you know, understanding that now there are all these tests now to talk about, is there a genetic and, you know, from doctors who were very, who were much more in tune with that and much more in tune with customizing her healthcare and as much as possible. Right. And I could see that. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, and this again, I don't want to kind of go down the rabbit hole there, but unfortunately the better doctors weren't close to where my parents lived. Okay. Um, and, and where were so they at this point? They're in... They were in Poughkeepsie, New York. Okay. The better doctors that she had, you know, right. that we knew about. Yeah, so we're not calling the... out Poughkeepsie exactly. right now. I uh, more, I'm this. just... We're... <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not calling out Poughkeepsie, but um, she had a really good doctor in Westchester, which was like a 45 minute, 20 yeah. hour drive, depending on the, the traffic. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and again, you know, in high, you know, hindsight, you know, it's 2020. Right. And so there was a time where she, you know, because the cancer was progressing where she would have emergencies. You can't drive 45 minutes <laughs> to an hour when you're having an emergency. Right. You know, you go to the hospital that's closest. And she had had some experiences with a particular doctor there that was very successful the first time around. And then the second time around, I mean, I don't know if it was the doctor or just the, we just really don't know. I've learned right. this in afterwards because I've had friends, I have friends that are doctors who are like, you really don't know if it was the doctor itself or that the, the cancer itself was advancing. You know, 17 right. years is a long time to have it on and off. And so, but I did know the difference. You know, I did notice it, whether it was bedside manner or whatever, or the thoughts. And so by this time, I'm getting really interested in it. And, um, you know, I'm able to kind of control my career a bit. Right. And so um, my mom's still alive. I decide that I want to go back and I want a career change and go to uh, medical school and look at maxillofacial surgery. And um, and so I uh, kind of phased out my company, but still kept my teaching job. Sure. Um, Cause the teaching job gave me healthcare and everything else as well. <laughs> right, so, right. And that was a stable job. And you know, I could do both at that as opposed to the company. And so um, I went back, you know, ordered transcripts, looked at what classes I needed to take again um, to right. study, um, looked at the requirements, um, looked for programs for non-traditional students, older students, found one, um, and ended up taking a um, neuroscience course um, in a medical school um, in the, as a part of this program. Nice. And um, that helped me actually decide that the route that I wanted to take was dentistry for, for the maxillofacial surgery versus med school. But I was still, you know, looking at both, taking MCATs as well as the DAT exam. And um, so then my mom passes away and I'm already on this journey at this point. Right. And so, um, 
you know, um, you know, just continuing with it. Um, the year after she passes away, I get into dental school. So wait, did um, you, and a lot there's, uh, huh. did you take the MCAT in and did, like, did you do both? I did both. So, um, when my mom <laughs> passed, I was, um, I actually, and I probably should not have done this, but you know, you're kind of, you're not thinking, sometimes you're not sure thinking clearly. And so I took my first MCAT, um, one week after we buried my mom and <sighs> my whole outlet mental outlook was just off, but you know, I had been doing all this prep, you know, I had the great thing about the teaching and it was summertime and I was able to really, you know, I had fewer hours and this was a moment where I could really study and put the time in. And so I took the exam. I didn't do as well. I did. Okay. You know, um, but I knew I wanted to do better. And again, I was like dental or medical school, dental or medical school. And so, sure. um, I took it once more and did much better at this time. Now I'm in this program, this, you know, for non-traditional okay. students learning more about dental, the dental aspect. And then I get, um, I do shadowing, I shadow a, an orthodontist for a while and learn a lot more about the dentistry profession. And, um, and the great thing about shadowing this dentist, it was awesome. Um, he had a practice on South side. So at this time I lived North suburbs, I would drive down twice a week and, um, just kind of work under him. And, um, and really that was the population, you know, it was an African-American community. It's a population I wanted to work with, you know? Right. And so, um, I learned a lot there and, um, ended up applying to Howard, his school, his, um, the dentist almond water there and, um, went through that whole process and, um, got in and, um, still teaching, you know? So, um, yeah, got in and, now I'm fake. You know, I'm doing these things. Of course, my friends and family know, but my business didn't know yet. I mean, my school didn't quite know yet. So sure. that was, I was an instructor. And so, um, you know, now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I want to, you know, do this. And another thing that I'm, I left out is that after my mom passed, um, and taking that MCAT and realizing my frame of mind and just knowing that, you know, I was mourning, of course, of course, but at the same time, I had this great goal, you know, and also at the same time, I had a new doctor. I was in the same practice, a new doctor. And this doctor um, had uh, a personal history with health history or family history with, with breast cancer. And her her, her um, story was all in the papers and all of that. I had done my research and I was like, wow. And it was incidental. Like I was in this practice and they just gave me this doctor. They might have known, but I right. didn't. So I looked at the doctor and I'm like, wow, she's got this background, you know, um, in the genetics of um, the family history of having breast cancer. And and through that and um, having her as a doctor, I got um, exposure to a group called Bright Pink, which is um, an organization um, that worked with um, women who have um, a family history or have also had breast cancer um, or ovarian cancer because 
they are related mm-hmm. and um, or can be related. And uh, it was started by a woman who had a family history and had decided to have uh, um, a double mastectomy like in her 20s, which was at that time just not heard of. Right. And she kind of, you know, I, I like to think of her as kind of like a change agent, so to speak. Right. She kind of changed the landscape of talking about that, but being or providing a support system for young women because more and more young women were um, being exposed to this. And so um, she had this this group that um, you know, had a, a portion about educating women, but also had an aspect of supporting women. And I volunteered. And was so her, I was a, just as mm-hmm. a, to go back, was her double mm-hmm. mastectomy a preventative measure or was this yes. a, yeah, okay. no, it was preventative. Right. So that's where exactly. Sorry. Yeah. So a preventative measure, which was unheard of in that sense. Right. right. Um, yeah. and she had seen her mother and grandmother. And, you know, if you read the 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 history of bright pink you can see her story um she's a great person it was here in chicago um and the organization has now since just gone you know different has jumped different leaps and levels and just really um has expanded All right. So for those of you who are curious, this organization that Latanya is talking about is called Bright Pink. Uh, Their website is brightpink.org, B-R-I-G-H-T-P-I-N-K.org. I've been on their website. It's just got a lot of value there. Uh, Clearly, it meant a lot to Latanya. um, And I, I just wanted to take a moment and you know, express to those who are going through similar journeys or who have been through similar journeys, we feel you. Um, these are really difficult. Um, cancer stinks, man. It's it's just rotten. And I think um, this organization, there are so many like it that are doing really profound, amazing things to help people. Um, but yeah, feel free to take a look at Bright Pink. Let's get back to the show. So I just mentioned that to say that I was really jumping in on the healthcare end of things. Right. From every Um, aspect, you're kind of engulfed in this. Yeah. Right. Of course. And, um, and so, um, I get in and I too started to, you know, things started to I don't know if it's just coincidence or, you know, I'm getting older, I'm getting more and being involved with Bright Pink, I'm getting more in tune with my health and things like that. And I was kind of faced with some health challenges myself where I was like, okay, I've got to do these things. I need to make that decision about, am I going to take the genetic test? Cause I'm always, you know, things are just happening. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, and then I, you know, I, I had some issues that needed to really be addressed. And so, um, I deferred my mission for a year. Um, and that was fine too, because I was also, which you probably know about, was like faced with this huge bill that I was going to, you know, loans <laughs> right. that I was going to have to get. And I was ready to jump in, but at the same time, you know, I'm older now. I'm not like this younger student yeah. and I understand what it means to get these huge to loans. To pay but those loans back. The, <laughs> yes. You know, and so, um, but the health issue was more on the forefront. And so I deferred my admission for a year. And 
I, you know, one of my students actually graduating students was talking about working at this summer camp, teaching 3D modeling and animation. And I was like, that's interesting. I could do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I went in and also I was like, it was national. And so I was like, I could actually get a job in DC where I'm going to go to dental school in a year. Right. And kind of, you know, get that, get the experience of teaching there for a summer, then go back to my job and then, you know, go on to dental school. So, so basically I applied for this job to teach, but they needed camp directors. I was probably more suited as a director anyway, in terms of experience. And, uh, so I got the job to be a camp director, not in DC cause they didn't have a need there. I know you're laughing cause you understand this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was for an academy, um, a summer program that dealt with, uh, that worked with teenagers who wanted to do the gaming, who wanted, um, who were interested in the gaming industry and which was right up my right up my alley, right? Because those are all right. my students for college students. Right. These are and, high schoolers. Uh, so they're basically yes, your these college are high students schools. a couple years yes, earlier. Yeah. A couple years out, right? So, right. Um, and in fact, it was a little better because you've got all these fresh minds who are like, well, I don't know. I mean, I like gaming. I like this. I'm just interested. Um, not better, but it's different. You know, it was kind of right. pre- um, in a sense. And, uh, and then, and it was a summer program, so they didn't have the pressures of like some of the college students had. So, and it was really about, um, exposure, you know, so yes, they were taking these tech classes, but they were also exposing them to the gaming industry. And, um, and it was great for me because then I'm getting more exposure to the gaming industry. So it was really funny because my college students were all, you know, most of them were big gamers and I'm still this kind of, let's talk about the built environment and the lighting and all these things (laughs) that are important to the environments. But, but, and I learned as well to um, gear my lessons towards gameplay in that sense, because they were gamers to really um, respond to what they were wanting to learn and teach them at the same time. So um, the, the camp was in Villanova. So that was where I was in Philadelphia. Again, just things happen. I, you know, I learned to listen and look and um, when things feel right, you know, don't discount it. So I had no intention of working in Philadelphia for the summer, but literally one of my best college friends lived like 15 minutes from Villanova. Perfect. Which I didn't even realize, you know, I just knew she lived in Philadelphia. So it was just perfect for me in a way, kind of getting some time off and, you know, going to Philadelphia, working for the summer. um, Change of pace. A change of pace. It was a great environment to um, get an introduction to a tech education company that um, ran really well in that sense, you know, just seeing it from that perspective and um, and just getting a a different a different experience that was related to what I was doing. Right. So, um, yeah. So, um, I want to take a quick pause for a second here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. first off, what's your mom's name? Oh, Gloria. My mom's name is Gloria. Gloria. I love that name. Yeah. All these years I realized. Oh, you didn't know that. Yeah. My mom's I know, name was I Gloria. I know her as mom. Uh, that's Tony's <laughs> yeah. mom. <laughs> Yeah, Um, her name was Gloria. 
All right, we're going to take a short break and hear a quick ad. We'll be back. Hey guys, I am going to talk to you a little bit about crystal palette management. If you are looking to make a change in your career, or let's say you're a business owner and you'd like to give your displaced employees a leg up on their job search, I can help. I'm Ashley, the host of Pivot Masters Podcast and owner of Crystal Palette Management. CPM will write custom resume and cover letters, LinkedIn profiles. We even have custom email templates to help you throughout your job search journey. I also offer one-on-one and group career coaching. So if you need a little help getting through this next leg of your career journey, I'm here for you. I started CPM in 2016. We are operating and growing and I would love the chance to help you out. So feel free to reach me. You can follow the link in the description of our episode today or go to crystalpalettemgt.com. Listeners of Pivot Masters Podcast get 10% off of their purchase with CPM if you just say Pivot Masters. I look forward to working with you and I can't wait to hear more about your career journey. Thanks so much. All right, my dear. Yes. So, um we're going to pick back up. So, we're talking about okay. you, you just did this summer with a bunch of yeah. where you're directing a camp with a bunch of gamers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, so you finish out the summer. Yeah. Finish out the summer, go back to teaching. This is in my year of deferral from um, dental school. Right. And um, and I will say, I mean, I was kind of jazzed going back to teaching, telling my students about my summer experience. And because part of this experience, we got to go to gaming um, companies. We toured gaming studios, a really big one. And um, and so I was able to kind of bring back goodies and kind of talk about what we did. And, you know, um, and they were all into it. And we talked about, you know, the differences and different classes that they had. And I just found myself Exposure very again. excited right, yeah. um, about talking about the summer to my college students. Um, and and then, as you know, with this company, um, I mean, the summer ends and then they go straight into preparing for the next summer. So I'm being contacted already. Like, do you, you know, they're interviewing again for the next summer. It's like October. And I'm thinking, well, I'll be in dental school by September, maybe, but just like a, not a six week deal, just a kind of a, you know, small stint. And so I, I sign up for two weeks um, for like a one session um, local. And as that's happening, I'm getting, um, I'm definitely more involved in the bright pink. Um, but I am really thinking about, you know, I think I, I had to do a write up for you. And there are times when I ask myself, like, what are my goals and, um, and what I'm doing um, going to help me achieve my goals and are my goals still relevant to my life at that moment and so right. you know i'm kind of going through these things and really 
kind of having a struggle with, I know I want a career change from, from just teaching at the college level, but I'm, you know, having a struggle with, you know, now I'm kind of rethinking, like, do I want to go to dental school? You know, I'm getting more exposure. This is what it's going to be ready. You know, I'm going to live in the DC area. I'm going to, you know, just well, preparing it's, for all it's of these so things. much, right? Because dental school mm-hmm. is this huge commitment. It's years, mm-hmm. four it's, years, right? This is, you know, it's a commitment. You've already yeah. have an upper level graduate level degree, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All of those things are going in my mind. Yes, all of those things are going through my mind. And at the same time, um, this company that I'm working for, I've interviewed and I have the summer position kind of just two weeks, just locked up. And they are asking if I want more weeks, you know, and I'm like, nope, don't (laughs) want it. I'm good. You know, you're laughing because we've been in the position of the person asking, do you want more weeks? So um, I didn't know what's going on on the background because I'm only on the the kind of the front, the camp at camp front lines on site. Yeah. Right. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I just get to this point. But then I kind of, you know, I'm really getting to the point where, again, I think probably for the second time where making a change or altering my goals is um, taking a longer time to commit to the alter, you know, the Mm. pivot because you've put so much time into it, you know, and I I don't do, it's not like I do these things lightly and like, oh, I'm interested in this. Let me do that. Oh, I'm interested in that. Let me, it's not that, you know, it's just that your experiences bring you in this um, area. And it's so over the course of years, like absolutely. And you've planned years. I did <laughs> yes. not just wake up and say, oh, I'm going to dental school, take the dat and then get in, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about hey. at least three years of prep. <laughs> but if you can, like, good on you to just yes, wake I'm up. Not, that, that wasn't my experience. Right. Exactly. Right. So, um, so yeah, I'm like, and, and by the way, I come from, um, a family and my, I am very close to a cousin who was doing the same thing. Maybe you should talk to him. He probably a good pivoter. So he was going from it, was an it person and he became, then became a registered nurse. And then he was becoming a nurse anesthetist at this time. He was going to school and, um, and then I'm living with, with them as well and saving money for school and he's finishing up his first year and he, and he's married with, with kids. And, uh, he decides in the middle after doing one year, you know, things change and, you know, for whatever reason, his story is his story and he doesn't finish. And he goes into healthcare informatics. Like this is happening at the same time. And so I'm, you know, he and I are talking, I'm going back and forth and just thinking about what do I want to do and, and looking at him that's changing. And, um, by the way, I'm also like this couple of headhunters from the education end or I've gotten a call from a call, another college and different, more on the admin side. So you're starting to think about it. And, and then I, I think I've shared with you before I've had, a design firm that I love. I've never worked for them. Um, I found them when I had my business and I've always followed them. Now they have a position open and I'm like, Ooh, should I go for it? You know? So these things are happening at the same time. And I'm realizing that my heart really isn't into going to dental school. So I decide that I'm giving up my space, my place, and I'm going to find, um, 
a job just you know i'm kind of ready to leave just a straight teaching environment okay so i'm not gonna lie again latanya and i just go on like a rabbit hole dive we're going to skip forward a little bit, but ultimately, um, she looks back at that summer job she had. Uh, so it's the fall now, and she looks at that company and realizes that there are some full-time year-round opportunities, and, well, she'll pick up the story from there. Yeah, and so when the fall came, I put, you know, that was one of the applications I put in, and... um yeah, and, and they were um, developing, of course, still, you know, and so I just felt like you talked about earlier about finding a place and feeling comfortable. And I felt like it was giving me a bunch of things. It was new for mm -hmm. me, but at the same time, I felt like there was an area where I could contribute to the growth of areas in this business and, yeah. um, and grow myself, you know, right. at the same time. So that was, that's always been really, you know, key as well to me in careers. And so started, I applied and got the job and the job was as an operations manager, um, for this tech education company that did summer camps primarily. Mm -hmm working for the teen division, which is where I was working as a camp director for the summer. Right. And I was the operations manager, um, which meant that I, um, and they had their camps in, I don't know if you, in universities. Right. And right. so I was responsible for uh, locations on the East Coast. I'm living, you know, I live in Chicago. So that was awesome too, because it afforded me the opportunity to, cause I went to school on the East coast. So just to be right. back in the East coast, visiting friends, develop, meeting people, um, doing, um, kind of some marketing, I guess I could say camp yeah. fairs and things like that. Um, and just learning about managing other people. It was yeah. really a great experience. So now I'm in this company, which is really a small business. It becomes a big business in the summer you know, a lot of employees in, during the summer, but overall, and that, in being in this department, now I got to wear different hats. I got to see that side of the business. So yeah, we, I got to learn how to negotiate contracts. I got to learn how to reconcile invoices at the end of the summer um, and see how my ne contract negotiation affected the finances right. at the end of the summer. So I wasn't just kind of doing one part of the business and someone else was looking at the ramifications of my action, <laughs> you know, of my right. management, right? I was seeing and having to work that out. And then right. looking again at the following year, now we negotiated this contract, you know, we spent, spent a lot of money in these areas and just kind of really working the full operations, right? Um, with yeah. a, With several other managers doing the same thing at different locations, which was great too, because you learned about those different locations and you learned about those different programs. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Um, it's a big learning experience kind of role, right? Like yeah. I think anyone I speak yes. to about that job, like mm -hmm. the big overarching, no matter what is, yeah, you're like, you are in to learn at least 
five things, right? Like it doesn't at matter least, what your background is. At least. <laughs> right. And and that was great because you learned from right. people with different backgrounds, right? And you know, yeah. we, there were teachers. We had someone who was studying to be a minister and yep. now is. Um, you, I mean, just so many act, people who had uh, theater, theater backgrounds, right? Um, right. People who were in the creative industries before. So there's just so much that you, and well, you're working alongside of them as well. Right. So. And it was pretty, you know, I would say it was apparent to me that this was a company that wasn't afraid to hire people that hadn't absolutely had this exact experience. Right. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. you know, had a lot of benefits in the end and, and mm -hmm. really, yeah. again, everyone walked away with something they grew yes. somehow yeah without a doubt if you weren't <laughs> I, well we won't go there but nah. you most definitely <laughs> yeah you, the you opportunities were, for growth were there and yeah yes mm -hmm. and also what you know i'm sure is that the opportunities to to create were there as well or to yeah. innovate all right. So LaTanya, while she's at this job, starts to become, I, I would say she has a heightened awareness to technology education opportunities to underserve communities. And through her current job and um, different opportunities she has within that job, she becomes more educated about this population's needs and what's going on with their ability to access this type of information and education. And it carries on beyond work. So yes, she has opportunities at work to participate in, in advocating for this, but she also starts talking about it outside of work. I can testify uh, to that. Um, oh, it's It becomes... A very apparent number one thing that is running through her mind and that she feels very passionately about. And this is important because it's going to continue on with her career. All right, let's get back to the story. Yeah. There's something about, I think, pivoters where we, we do have this something, oh, we get this passion and we just don't mm -hmm. let it go, right? It becomes... Right. Yes. A bigger and bigger thing. And I think that's what yeah. you're trying to illustrate here at this point in your career. Yeah. yeah. And and what I want to say too is the difference. You're pivoting changes, right? So the difference yeah. from when I was an architect, I will tell you, you know, and again, let's just put out there, I'm an African-American woman. I chose a position, uh, an industry that at the time I entered, I mean, there was like, I think it was 1% was registered um, black architects at that point, one to 2%. Crazy. And it is a, you know, an industry filled with white men. And, um, and my experience in the beginning is I just, I wanted, I wanted to learn. I wanted to get these experiences. I wanted, wanted, wanted. And I'm grateful. I had some managers that, you know, in two wins, I had some managers were like, okay, let me see what we can do to get that. You know, it might be a different way. I had right. some managers were like, hold on, you know, slow down, <laughs> you know, wait your turn. And honestly, that was valuable to me because yeah. I found I didn't want to wait my turn, you know, at that point, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, I approached it differently. And um, and so now we're talking like 15 years later mm -hmm. or more where now I'm seeing it again. 
and I'm seeing what I want to do. I want to learn. Okay, and just to clarify, what Latanya wants to learn about is how to serve and support these underserved communities and offer them opportunities for STEM-based and technology-based education. So that's where, and so like a year ago, I started to talk to my business partner, who's the person who's now my business partner about that. So we've talked about, you know, developing this business. Um, And for a long time, and you know about this too, we were like, should it be private or nonprofit? And then what's the advantages of making it nonprofit versus private? And let's go. And so we have done the research. Oh my goodness. You know, you brainstormed. You did all oh, of your man. Yeah, we, rabbit holes. We did a lot of, um, and we're still doing it. We did a lot of, um, um, not vision boards, but really like uh, just planning in a sense. Um, and, um, and, you know, what we found was the nonprofit avenue was the better based on the mission that we wanted to, to, complete and the things that we want to do, the nonprofit avenue is the better one for us. And so we have established our nonprofit already, finding some really innovative ways to customize um, opportunities to bring STEM and financial literacy, because my business partner is a program manager for a financial company and she comes from and she works with engineers so she knows the whole stem part but she's also very much into financial literacy as well so um we are um yeah that's what we're doing we're developing uh a some systems yeah to do that so so you know Latanya has shared with me and we've brainstormed over over mm-hmm. the course of your career, um, yeah. especially towards the end. And, and yeah, you were laid off with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. In in the spring of 2020. This is September, mm-hmm. late, right. mid, late so September in, now. At the end of March. Yes. Right. So in and in your brainstorming, you were pulling, mm-hmm. okay, these are things that I want and I, I'm I'm recognizing I want to work with certain communities. I want to support yeah. certain communities. And I also like to highlight, uh, you did mm-hmm. mention working with Bright Pink, but you have a long track record of volunteering and specifically like, yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah. this is, <laughs> I think you mentioned even earlier, you're like, oh, well, I wasn't volunteering much at this time. And it's like, not everyone yeah. volunteers at the scale that Latanya <laughs> <laughs> uh, will will volunteer at, right? Um, and you really yeah, do yeah. like dedicate, you'll consistently come back, you know, month after month, Absolutely. year after year, whatever yeah. the program mm-hmm. entails. So yeah, Latanya has, you know, this long-standing experience of volunteering and reaching out to communities that you feel mm-hmm. you want to support, right? You're engaged with these right. communities, right? Yeah. And you're recognizing this job is, that you have, that you're growing and you're learning all these skills, isn't really connecting with the community that... For me, right. For, yes. Right, that you yeah. yourself have like spent so much of your, you know, extracurricular time, we'll call it. Yes, because I was, yeah, you're right. I was volunteering even then while I'm right. working at this business for yeah. 
companies to bring STEM to underserved communities. So I was working with groups. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't just STEM. Like, I know that you did, like, the prom dress. Um, oh, yeah. There's yeah. always. I mean, some. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I think once you are in a certain environment, these opportunities come to you, yeah. right? You know, and so... I know you and I have, t- in my write-up, I talked about, um, what did I, I called it a goal evolution factor. I don't have a mathematical, you know, design for what that factor is, but I feel like when you're open to evolving your experiences and your goals, these things come to you. Yeah. So the, I volunteered, um, gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the group because I did it for three years, but it's one weekend where you volunteer and they help girls um, who can't afford prom dresses to, to, you know, get a fitting and you, all these, I mean, it is hundreds of dresses that maybe thousands that get donated from, um, from like wedding, um, dress companies to sure. cleaners where people have left things. I mean, it is just so much and they're beautiful gowns. Some of them never department stores, something, some of them never have been um, worn before. And so you, you know, someone I know who was really involved in this organization, you know, kept asking me and I was like, Oh, I'm going to do it this year. And I loved it. You know, again, yeah. I just love working with kids. I love working, um, you know, really being a part of helping kids, you know, reach or find that dream or, you know, be a part of that experience that they've been dreaming of, like the prom experience. And so, yeah, I volunteered with that, but that, you know, that was brought to me and I was like, sure, completely different than what I would have done before. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now we're 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 now we're at present yeah. day in your story. Yeah. Yes. You're working on something. You've got a business partner. You've got a yes. nonprofit. Things are in the mm-hmm. works. We're not going to yes. share a ton of details. Um, right. And that's okay. Not um, yet. Yeah. 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 Um, we can, you know, also maybe catch up with you, and do like a sure. follow up. Like. Yeah. I don't want to say oh, the yeah, VH1, where are they now? But we could totally do <laughs> the VH1. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I would like to, um, you know, point out to listeners, like, mm-hmm. you're you're developing something that's really pulling in a lot of these experiences, the volunteering, the, the past work experiences that you've had. Yeah. And yeah. you're looking to share it with a specific group of people. Um, yeah. And you've got some really cool things in the work, but I don't want us to give away anything because we don't know exactly yeah. when this is going to air. Um, yes, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, keeping all that in mind, I mm-hmm. I want to ask, yeah. you've done a number of career pivots. If you were to take a step back and really look mm-hmm. at what your career might look like in the future, do you anticipate <laughs> yeah. that you may pivot again? Um, wow, that's a good question. Um, wow, that's a, I'm speechless. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm torn with saying that I don't predict pivoting. You know what I mean? So sure. I never, I don't really think about it like, um, or I'm doing this and then, you know, 
in like 10 years, I'm going to do something else. Right. Right. Because I'm actually in it, you know, in that sense, mm-hmm. just like when I, whenever I pivot in that sense. Right. So in this nonprofit, I'm in it. I don't actually see a pivot to a, a different career. Now I do envision that, um, I hope my hope is that, um, this, uh, leads to, um, different avenues of advocating for STEM education for the underserved communities and whether, um, I, I feel like I will be working with this and probably until I retire. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I also think or hope that this leads me to maybe speaking to other people about it, um, maybe uh, strategizing with other groups um, about how to do that. Um, and um, and so that might be inside this nonprofit and it might be outside of it, you know, um, certainly. Right. But I'm always open, you know, to that. But I feel like... Um, if I, okay, I was to say this when I applied to dental school and when, when I applied to dental school, you have to do an essay, right? My essay was about how all of my experiences led me to that point. I just yeah. kind of a rounder. It really was. That was literally it. When I applied to work at the STEM education company, right? You had to write kind of an essay. I literally thought about that essay and re reworked it not like cheated so to speak but reworked it because that was how my life was developing right and all those experiences led me to being at that point where now all of a sudden I was work you know wanting applying for a job to work on op- in the education operations right and so I feel the same way I feel like you know that saying you know as I said before that concept that what you do leads you to what you've done in the past leads to where you are today Mm-hmm. And so I feel that 10 years from now, I will be still working in this arena. Um, however, I hope that it's at a developed stage. I believe it will be yeah. at a developed stage. So um, it will be working still with this nonprofit. And my intent is to expand so Latanya, how do listeners find you or do you want to be found? Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so of course my LinkedIn profile, which is, I don't know how to say it, but it's my name, Latanya Baker. Um, yeah, it's literally linkedin.com and then it's the, the normal guys, like it's yeah. just the normal URL for finding yes. a specific profile. So slash IN slash Latanya Baker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, I'll just say for listeners that the Patreon mm-hmm. page will have uh, a link to Great. Latanya's um, LinkedIn page. It'll also have mm-hmm. the bio she has. And that's also where we might share a little extra information when this does release about the nonprofit yeah. that she's been working on um, so hard. Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll, we'll have all of that on the Patreon page for sure uh, for listeners. Great. All right. That is our interview this week with Latanya Baker. Baker. (laughs) 
This is our interview with LaTanya Baker. I am just all over today. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And LaTanya, thank you for sharing your story. Um, Again, you know, listeners, if there's any stories that we should be sharing, let us know. If there are topics you want us to cover, let us know. We've been getting feedback from people and more emails have been coming in. It just feels so good to hear from you guys. You know, I'm just here in my basement working um, on these and (laughs) I love doing it. I hope you're enjoying the stories as we release them. We will be back again next week and next week will be a resource review. So I will be sharing some tips for those who are going through a career pivot or career change. So feel free to schedule that on your little calendar to take a listen next Thursday. Until then, I appreciate you. Take a chance. Look at our social media pages, our Patreon. You know, Patreon members, we appreciate you so, so very much. You really make this possible. And thanks to my team, the people that helped me make this possible um, and, and help me make it professional (laughs) or as professional as you can get me to be. Um, Yeah, I appreciate everyone. Thank you so much. You have a great day. We'll be back again next week.